Welcome everyone to this edition of uh, Keep It Civil, an engineering podcast from the Department of Civil, Environmental and Geomatic Engineering at UCL. Today we're joined by Ivana Visaga, a PhD student at Siege, who will be talking about her solar energy project in Rwanda and the photography exhibition that followed. Welcome Ivana. Hi, hi everyone. So first off, can you tell us a little bit more about your solar energy work in Rwanda? Sure. Um, my um, PhD research focuses on off-grid solar um, solutions in Rwanda specifically. And what I'm most interested in is the uh, end user experience. So in my research, I'm collaborating with a company called Bbox, who are a manufacturer and distributor of uh, such systems. They're called solar home systems. Um, and um, I'm looking at the ways people um, use off-grid solar energy in their households, uh, their experience, their satisfaction with these kinds of solutions. Um, and um, also whether um, the needs, the energy needs that uh, people have are and can be satisfied by off-grid solar home systems. So could you tell us a little bit more about the, the actual solar technology that's being used in the homes? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very uh, sort of um, simple, simple solar system which basically consists of a control unit that has the battery in it, um, of a few lights, the, the minimum would be two, uh, you can then add on uh, to have more lights, uh, mobile phone charging which is basically just um, USB cables, um, a radio, a TV if, if you get the depending on the package that that you get um it's a um small panel 50 watts uh but it's sufficient to power off these appliances and then you know you can also sort of upgrade it to a to a slightly bigger system um but it's a very standard solar technology and but purely because the um the appliances that are used with these systems are super energy efficient uh we're talking about uh a nine watt TV, for example, or one watt light bulb, right. LED yeah. bulb, um, that allows you know something as small to power you know this many appliances. Um, it it's it's you know it's it's relatively small in size as well, so it doesn't take too much uh, space in in the household, um, and it's it's installed by a technician that comes you know from the service provider be it Bbox or anyone else who uh, distributes similar systems. Um, so it's really, an, I guess, an, an easy way, um, if you wish, to um, extend access to, to energy. And with the falling prices due to all the developments in the solar technology, mm. it's becoming more and more affordable. And yeah. hopefully we'll be, you know, um, we're talking about maybe a couple of years from now, people should be able to afford even bigger systems at similar p prices. That's good. So have you been able to sort of um, tack on the back of the sort of global shift towards renewable energies? And For sure, yeah. There's, there's you know, sort of um, learning happening across the board. And whether we're talking about something as big as, you know, Tesla Powerwall or something as small as a, you know, 50-watt uh, panel powered um, solar system that a rural household in Rwanda is um, is adopting. Um, it it all relies on um, solar PV um, and you know similar technologies when it comes to battery and storage, whether it's lithium ion or whether it's lead acid. Um, in this case, it's it's lead acid, but there exists different solution. 
uh, solutions. But you know, um, as such, globally, um, it's de- there's definitely a big shift. Except for perhaps the difference is that in a you know in a place like Europe or the US, um, we're talking about sort of moving away from the grid to become sort of you know an energy producer and satisfying your needs in a way that is you know clean and you you can be sure of that um whereas in places like rwanda kenya india you know bangladesh uh where there are still people who have never had a good connection we're talking about it being the first step on the sort of you know the so-called energy ladder or you know the energy access um so that's a big difference you know we're starting from you know with solar um in, in those places already purely because there is no prospect in many of those places, in many of the rural sort of remote areas, um, to have a grid connection anytime soon. Okay, cool. So you've had funding from uh, Beacon Bursary. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit more about what that kind of involves and what that entails? Sure, yeah. Um, I was very lucky to be one of the uh, eight selected... um, I guess, winners Mm -hmm. um, of the Beacon Bursary in the last round. Um, And the the idea sort of um, to to apply and to come up with a project that involved participatory photography and kind of storytelling by the users of solar home systems in Rwanda um, stemmed from my field work, uh, which took place last year over the summer uh, when I was collecting data for my research. And what I noticed was that um, as much as we obviously learn a lot and want to do academic research and and share it with people, it's still quite limited um, in the sense that, um, first of all, people who participate in your research um, Mm. answer very structured sort of questions. You have a list of questions, you want to learn something, and, you know, you go to every single household, ask the same questions. You're limited by time, by resources, etc. And on the other hand, it's a little limiting as well because, well, as we know, as great as academic research is, it usually tends to reach a certain audience of people who are interested in the subject and who have access to academic journals, etc., um now my idea and i suppose that's something that goes um well with the aim of the public engagement unit um was to sort of um spread awareness of the reality of energy access challenges in places such as rwanda but also Mm -hmm. many other countries um to the wider public Um, and so uh also do it in a way that will be a little more accessible uh to just you know anyone Mm -hmm. um and photography um, seems like a good sort of medium for that. Yeah. Anyone can relate to a photo uh, and all you need is a quick caption or description and, and, and people will be able to digest it pretty quickly um, mm-hmm. and understand the message behind it. And also, in addition to that, the photos were actually taken by the end users. Yeah. So it's their stories told through photography, which seems relevant. And obviously the the the, the unit... Um, were quite you know interested in, in the project so that's fantastic yeah. and did you find that there was uh, like a lot of take up a lot of interest in the in the photography from the users um it, i was very anxious about it actually before we started i didn't really know what to expect uh i knew that for majority of people it would be the first time to hold a camera in their hands uh and that was certainly the case i think we maybe had one or two people um who had had, you know, um, some kind of contact with photography or video making. But um, 
yes yes people really uh really owned it and then they got really sort of involved and engaged and it was great to see because um the disc so just to give a little bit more um background like we would start off with um with a discussion first to talk in a more of a freeway rather than an interview style kind of uh, discussion Um, you know like just pose questions um, about the impacts that energy access have on people's lives what's changed since they adopted a solar system Um, anything that is important to them when it comes to energy access Um, and through those discussions I guess people would sort of um, set their minds in the mode of like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about energy. I'm, I'm thinking about my household, um, and now I'm I'm sort of more ready to show what that impact has been or what matters to me um, when it comes to energy in my household. And so that allowed them to sort of then go and I feel be quite creative about what they wanted to show and um, you know what messages they had. Um, and yes, it was it was absolutely incredible to see, you know, the the different sort of ways that people approached it. Um, sometimes they would just go around and take photos of like a d- different things around the household. Sometimes yeah. they would ask other household members to, you know, like sort of pose and okay. to represent like a certain um, well situation that is now made um, better or easier certain activities that are made easier now that they have light in their house, uh, or now that they have energy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really good. Um, and those who are a little, perhaps more of a shy personality, um, sometimes needed a little bit of prompting and sometimes would ask us to take a specific photo because they maybe didn't feel confident enough also to handle a camera yeah. uh, but even that was really great because it was it was just even more sort of engagement with them yeah you know um us and them so yeah and were there any sort of uh, stories that you that you got back from this that you perhaps weren't expecting was there anything that really kind of sort of threw you uh yes and that was actually quite surprising as well considering how many interviews we conducted last year and we, we were asking similar questions um, perhaps not focusing on impact as comprehensively as we did in this um, round of workshops but uh, yes certainly one that really got to me was uh, from a young woman uh, who would hold the torch in her mouth for three hours every day while cooking in the wow. evening because that was the only sort of source of lighting that she had available wow. and the reliable one yeah. uh, and a cleaner one than say a candle or a kerosene lamp um, and she was suffering from really bad jaw pain okay. um, it was actually her husband who was telling us the story and she was sat right next to him yeah. and uh, he was saying how you know she would complain because her jaw hurt so much but they didn't even know what they would say to a doctor if they ended up going so they didn't and then they purchased the system and ever since she doesn't need to hold that torch in her mouth anymore yeah. and the pain is gone uh, and you know he made a comment like oh I'm not making this up she can testify to this herself and you know she was just sat there like smiling and, and nearly laughing now we can laugh at it but really it's the reality for a lot of women who um, you know have to cook for the family and they usually cook in the evening and the truth is that at 6.30 p.m. every single day, with no exception, in Rwanda, it gets dark. Um, so you, you're not left with many choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was just one, but there were many other stories, quite a few that um, sort of referred to the, um, 
ability to save. Um, so it's a huge sort of question in the uh, off-grid um, energy community, like do people actually save money by adopting those solutions? Yeah. But it seems that it's not so much about actually making savings from like less expenditure on energy, but it's the ability to manage your finances, to sort of budget better in your house uh, and your, ha like your household finances uh, in order to be able to pay uh, for the system every month. Um, and through that to kind of, you know, have some money um, perhaps at hand to buy other things, um, something that they wouldn't necessarily have to do before because they didn't have that sort of monthly, yeah. um, you know, um, expenditure that had yeah. to be that had to be. Is made. that is that because it's a, a sort of a set sort of fixed cost every month rather than a, a flexible one, depending on your energy use? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So that would, you know, prompt them to like always make sure that they have that money available to make the payment because otherwise the system would stop working. Okay. Um, and they wouldn't have yes, energy. Um, so yeah, that was it. wasn't it, it, Perhaps it wasn't as surprising as some some other stories. But it was. I feel very important to learn that this kind of behavioural change yeah. um, is also happening behind the scenes. Yeah, and so, how many uh, sort of individual households do you, have you sort of targeted or have been affected by the the program? So. Um, Huh. It's a good question. Well, uh, for the for the project, we visited 20 households and uh, that was because of the limited time and, and resources. But um, as such, we've in my research, I've spoken to nearly 300 um, households or individuals representing households. Um, and as such, we're talking about thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people affected by um, solar systems. Um, in a place like Rwanda and many other countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, with East Africa being sort of uh, really leading on uh, the numbers of sales and, and, and the sort of push for off-grid electrification. And we're talking about uh, that in the context of um, about 27, perhaps right now, percent electrification overall in the country in Rwanda. Uh, so you can just imagine how important it is to sort of, you know, um, uh, really um, make you know all the necessary effort to bring electricity and to bring energy to uh to all those who are currently off the grid yeah uh so you just got back from rwanda you were there for nearly three months this time nearly three months mm -hmm. okay uh, and they you are putting on a uh, a sort of twin exhibition in london at the moment is that right yes that's right so the first exhibition was in kigali and that ended just this past monday um it was on for a month uh, very well received. It was great to see people turning up to uh, uh, to see the photos taken by by users of solar home systems and and you know uh, interested in their stories. Um, and the same a replica of that exhibition is taking place in London. Um, so that will be happening over the next month. So were there people helping you set this up and get this running, or were you going into this sort of completely cold? No, no, I had support from mostly from B-Box and the Impact Hub, okay. Kigali. Yeah. Um, so they were very helpful. Um, there was obviously my um, my assistant, my right hand, Marceline, who was working with me on the workshops, uh, purely because my Kenya Rwanda is very limited, uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. 
um, but she was great explaining everything to the uh, to the participants and making sure that um, you know they're explained how to use the camera etc um, so yeah we spent a lot of time uh, together sort of brainstorming in English and then all of it would be translated by her into Kenya Rwanda and um, yeah, and people seem to really enjoy it. And on the sort of technical side, when it comes to the setup of the exhibition and the running of it, uh, definitely huge thanks to Bbox as well. They helped set up a, a, a system just to, again, show it off to the public um, and and the exhibition and the photos and then to the Impact Hub Kigali for hosting it. It was really a great space and sort of great support and cheer for, for the project. So that was it definitely made it much easier and very rewarding. Um, they, you know, uh, made sure that uh, the the crowd in, in Kigali and beyond were aware of this happening and, and encouraged people to come and see it. So, um, yeah, and likewise here, um, it's the it's pretty much the same, you know, situation except for it's the London team at Bbox here and the Impact Hub, um, King's Cross, who are hosting the exhibition. So again, massive thank you to all of those. Right. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the podcast and talking about your work. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can find more at soundcloud.com forward slash C-E-G-E underscore UCL. Uh, you can follow Ivona on Twitter. She's at Ivona Bisaga or through her blog at photovoice.org forward slash through the lens. Uh, we can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at C-G underscore UCL. And finally, make sure you go and see the exhibition, which will be on at Impact Hub King's Cross from 7pm on Friday 9th of June. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye.